Hey everyone, and welcome back to Girls Are Players Too. My name's Brooklyn. And I'm Heather. And this week's episode, we will be interviewing one of my mom's friends. His name is Daniels. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what's your last name? Sanders? <laughs> yeah. I knew it. And I mean, I, I thought. And I really didn't. I thought say all it. of us were friends. <sighs> we are, but I just second guessed myself. I really, I knew it was Sanders, but I was like, I don't want to say the wrong last name and then it'd be like really awkward. Welcome, yeah. Daniel. Not awkward at all now. It's Not like Prince. It's like Prince, Daniel. You don't, ha you don't need a last name. You've we just, just always know been who Daniel. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if the audience is going to buy that excuse, but we'll, we'll play it <laughs> off and get to some other conversation maybe. So you are from Nashville. You were born in Las Casas, Tennessee. For those of you who don't know, Las Casas is out Rutherford County way, kind of Murfreesboro, Woodbury, Eagleville situation. I, I would say you're you're not helping. Nobody knows where that is, <laughs> but yes, you are correct. Okay, okay. And you've been married for over 20 years. You've got two kids, one that is 18 who is about to graduate and a 13-year-old. So you've got two teenagers at home. Yes. God bless you. Yes, I do. Well, you know, they uh they they are very well behaved. They're they're good, but it's it's still a headache, a girl and a, a boy and you know, we love them to death, but like every parent, sometimes they just need to get out of the house. <laughs> You're exactly. Or we need to get out of the house. It's probably more like Yeah, it. yeah. So, you were in the military for 24 years. And I think if I was. if my memory recalls, the 861st, is that right? Uh, I was in several different units, but yeah, the, uh, spent a lot of time there, um, 24 years as a, a parachute rigger was, was my job. Um, loved every minute of it, but, uh, you know, it was time for me to go. I got old. It happens. I got old. Parachute rigger means you pack the parachutes, correct? Yeah. Packed parachutes. Um, we also, uh, packed supply loads, um, you know, if you have ever seen a video or something of supplies being dropped out of an airplane with parachutes on them, we did that as well. And we jumped out of airplanes. So that was the coolest part. That was the fun part. But uh, jumping out of airplanes, helicopters, doing all kinds of cool stuff. It was cool to me. Other people may not think so, but I, I had fun. I jumped out of a plane once. In I Vegas. had 67. What? 67 jumps. Okay, that's pretty yes. cool. He just it, yeah, really I, went up to there by like 66. I know. Thanks, Brooklyn, for that fancy college math there. My pleasure. <laughs> so you retired, though, from the military. Yes, retired um, just over a year ago, officially, I think. You know, time, once, once I left, time just doesn't matter anymore. But, uh, yeah, retired as a first sergeant. And, uh, uh, yeah, don't, don't – uh, I, I miss the people. I don't miss, you know, all the other stuff that went along with, you know, being a job and whatnot. But, but you still but, have uh, a job. Retired. You still have a job. And, and you know, I'm still young enough that I have to work um, because I like to eat. I don't care to sleep <laughs> outside, you know, full time. Uh, I like air conditioning and, and things like that. So, yeah, I still have to work. I hear you. But now you're a family life minister at your church. Yeah, a big, big career change going from the Army to uh, working at a church. But uh, 
Um, love it. I mean, it's great working with people. It's kind of a, a lot of other than jumping out of planes. It was all the best part of the army um, that I get to do every day. Still, or, you know, just being with people and, and the relationships you build and all that kind of stuff is is great. So I'm having a blast. And that is, which we're going to get to a little bit later. That's where you started your podcast that you do. That's called GPS to God. That is right. We do a podcast. We've been doing it um, not quite two years, um, but uh, we are 78 episodes in yes. and uh, we we are having fun. Um, our, ours is a little, little different than, than this. We do video as well, which is good and bad. Um, you know, for, for me, I do all the editing and back end stuff. So that just takes a lot longer. But it's cool because we get to interview a bunch of cool people and and uh, see them, what they're doing and all that kind of stuff, tell their stories. And we've been blessed to have a lot of cool people on, you know, from former athletes and, and um, musicians and just all kinds of, of great people with great stories. So we're having a blast. Well, that's awesome. I don't know if we're going to be as popular as, you know, the Girls or Players 2 podcast. Right, yeah, but, with our three listeners. Know, we're, we're, well, I listened to your first episode, and I, I have a—I kind of have a critique. Well, I think us, if you're going to call, if you're going to call yourselves Disney experts, you cannot call <laughs> the characters of the Lion King by the wrong name. Brooklyn, we figured. Okay, actually, I wasn't the one who mentioned it was from the Lion King. You were, Mom. I said Tafiki, and you were like, isn't that the monkey from the Do Lion you know, King? It's Rafiki, not Tafiki. Do you know that that is the most feedback that we got on is y'all really didn't know the monkey's name? And I said that what even adds insult to injury is it was hours later that I think one of us was like, you know what? Tafiki isn't even the right name. It's Rafiki. So um, mm -hmm. we're just going to chalk that up to nerves for our first podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I but... mean, you know, it's it would not have stood out so much to me <laughs> if you wouldn't have said, you know, we love Disney. We're there all the time. We have a, you know, our own key to get into the parks. We're, you know, we're just experts. But I'm too but busy people watching. I'm not paying attention to the characters. Mama, the Lion yeah. King has been out for like a while. <sighs> Again, and then we go the, and watch wait, the again, actual. You're Lion the one King who show. said it. You even Googled something on your phone and still had it incorrect. Actually, I corrected myself. It was Tika, but we still said Tafiki. Tafiki, whatever. Anyway, Daniel, the most fun yeah. that yeah. I've ever had with you, and this is this is really how we met. Daniel and I have been friends for over twenty years. We'll just leave it at that. Um. But we both worked at the Nashville Predators, and we were on the Nashville Predators Puck Patrol unit, where it was a group of guys and girls. Which I don't think exists anymore. It doesn't. No. And to me, the game, it's not the same. Um, but I did it for three years. You did it for three years. That's where we met. That That is where we met. And for people who may not know what that is, I mean, the, the Nashville Predators is a pro hockey team but the puck patrol we were the young cool people who got to go out and like do games on the ice and give prizes away throw t-shirts at people all kinds of cool stuff like that 
I mean, met great friends like Heather. Besides that, a great discount at the pro shop. So I got a lot of cool stuff for free or cheap, and uh, I really miss that perk. That, that was a great perk. I really wish that I could be a part of that because me and Mom, like, have this conversation almost daily of, like, how I wish, like, the, the Preds still had, like, the puck patrol and just, like, I see, like, I, like, I hear stories of how much fun she had, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I would love to do something like that, but they just don't have anything like that around here anymore around here like that anymore well they don't they, they don't have, like, i mean think about it like the we girls went, now are like dancers they don't have the they don't have the guys whereas we did like promotions i mean we they, they booked just, us to go and do like parties at O'Charlie's. i mean like for three years daniel we were rock stars i mean let's just be honest everybody knew who we were I mean, at least in our own minds, you know, it was it was cool. We got on got to be on TV every once in a while, stuff like that. I mean, you know, for 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 what it was for a young, I was uh, I think I was nineteen maybe when I first started there, nineteen or twenty. Um, I mean, it it was great. It was fun meeting cool people. I mean, you're in front of thousands of people, you know, a couple times a week for home games and. I mean, we had fun playing the games and doing stuff, even though we had other contestants. But I still, even though the Puck Patrol left however many years ago, Heather, we still have a claim to fame in I Bridgestone Arena. I have that on my list to talk about. You want to tell the story? I mean, does Brooklyn know the story? She knows. Oh, I know the story. She knows the story. I tell my friends about that all the time. Anytime I go in Bridgestone Arena, I make sure I point it out with whoever I'm with. Um, so we were, you know, doing some games and stuff at, during a timeout of a hockey of the hockey game, and we had one of these slingshots where two people kind of hold the slingshot, one on each end, and then the third person puts a T-shirt in the middle, and you shoot it out into the crowd. So we were doing that, and. Uh, I, th I was holding. I don't know, Heather, were you holding or shooting? I was shooting. You were holding. And I think, okay, Daniel, so it was just me and you because you were so good at it that you could hold it with both hands. We didn't need a third person when we did slingshot with you. Well, you know, I like I don't like to brag at the beginning of the podcast. We can do that <laughs> later. But uh, we're shooting. We're using this slingshot. Shirts going out crazy in the audience. Well, we, you know. We're competitive people, and we said, let's get one in the back row. Let's just crank it. So, Heather, you know, I'm holding on for dear life. Heather cranks back on this slingshot, and it hits about 20 feet above, hits the wall above the last row. And we're on the ice. And let's clarify that. We're on the ice when this happens. I, I mean, yeah it, yeah, it it was a, you know, world record shot, I'm let's, pretty sure. Let's but, also mention, I did not know that Daniel was a part of this. I thought that this was purely no. your mistake, Mom. <laughs> this is oh, not a mistake. Whoa, whoa. This no, is not nobody a mistake. said this was a mistake. No. <laughs> okay. No, no. This is, yeah, Nashville history. It I is, mean, correct. I didn't know that this was just, I have plenty know, of other mistakes that I'm going to ask Daniel if he recalls. But let him finish telling yep. this Go milestone ahead. Didn't story. know that Daniel was also yes. a part of this. This yes. makes the story 20 times better. Yes. Yeah. This, this was not the first time we had hit the wall, you know, <laughs> doing this over the course of a couple seasons. Normally, shirt hits the wall. It bounces back into the crowd. You watch people fight over it. You repeat the show. It's great fun for everybody involved. <laughs> but the this time, 
it hit the t-shirt hit white t-shirt it hits and it sticks i guess there's soundproofing or something on this wall and it's black and you just see this bright white t-shirt just kind of stuck in the wall all the fans in that section kind of got upset a little bit and we start high-fiving. We think it's the greatest thing ever. We have they this booed shirt us. stuff. Remember, they were booing yeah. us. <laughs> and, I mean, really, all these people fighting over this $2 T-shirt that's not going to fit them anyway and has some cheesy thing printed on it. You know, they're going to use it to cut the grass or dry dishes. But we thought it was great. We thought it would fall out eventually. 20 years, that thing is still, still going strong in the wall. It's there. Um, it's great. It's my little piece of history. I, I feel like personally, a friend of mine told me, uh, we were at a basketball game or hockey game and I pointed it out to him, told the story. He said, man, you really need to get like a Twitter account or something for that t-shirt <laughs> and put it up there and start that. And I, I would, except I'm social media lazy. So it, it would not go well for me. But Heather, you, you could do that. You know, you have my permission to is it still... you know, carry that torch on. Yes, <laughs> Brooklyn, it's still no, there. Because last time me and you went to Bridgestone, we tried looking for it and we couldn't see it. We couldn't see because they had set the stage up. Remember, they had those curtains. We couldn't see up there. Oh, so it's like still it's, there? It is stuck in there. Like through oh, the yeah, wall. It... For those it's of you there. who it's, go to Bridgestone. It's embedded in that soundproof. It's the part, like, it's not like the 303 section. It's like the other end of the arena that sits down just a little bit lower. Um, and it's stuck to, like, if you're standing in front of that section and you look over to the right, it's kind of to the right. So, like, maybe 2 o'clock, I think it's maybe, like, section uh, 319, 320, somewhere in that area. Yeah. So, you look for a little white is. dot. And that is our claim to fame. Yeah, about 15, 20 feet up from the last row of seats. And you'll see it. It's cool. It's we, didn't, there. we didn't get in trouble for that. But I did get in trouble for busting the shot clock out. Do you remember that? Were you there? Mm, I don't know if I was part of that one. That's... I might have <laughs> run to hide if I saw that. We were on the band stage. It's um, it's when we were still allowed to shoot shirts from the band stage. And trying to shoot something into the third level, I accidentally hit the shot clock. Um, it was when Jimmy and them were still there. So that was probably one of our very first years. And our marketing vice president was actually sitting in that section right behind the band stage with his daughter. And when it hit the shot clock, it busted the shot clock. And all I can remember is glass falling onto him, like plexiglass falling onto him and his wife. And so, of course, they were like, that was like $6,000. Y'all aren't allowed to shoot T-shirts from the band stage. So that's when we weren't allowed to shoot T-shirts from the band stage anymore. Yeah, um, so you ruined that too. <laughs> ruined that one. Um, do you remember going to Birmingham and playing uh, sumo wrestling? Do you remember that? We went to uh, Birmingham. They I, did like an expo game down there, and we took the sumo wrestlers, and we didn't have anybody to get in the sumo suits. So I think. So you you might have been cooler than me. You might have gone on more trips. I remember no, going to No, I sent you a picture. Huntsville. No, that's where it was, Huntsville. I sent you a picture the other day. It, I like found it in the middle of like nowhere. I guess oh, it was. Yeah. Well, I wasn't. So yeah, the picture you sent, I was not in the sumo suits. I was helping pick people up. You was, probably got to do fun stuff like that. I had to help people up because those sumo suits 
when people fall down, they cannot get up. It's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's an issue. It's a problem. Yeah, no, I was never in on it. Ice. I, I thought you were in it, but now that I think about it, you were in the picture helping me pick somebody up because we used to remember we used to put like um brian and there was an intern guy that we always put in there i don't remember his name i don't remember a lot of people's names that were down there with us but um, well just the cool people the cool people yeah um but then i remember one night um do you remember they used to let us stand in the back of the truck sometimes and shoot with those air guns and they would drive the truck around do you remember that yeah, the T-shirt cannons. Yes, the T-shirt cannons. And one night, my whole family was there. And um, they used to give us either we would do, we would have tennis shoes that before each game, we would actually put screws in the bottom of our tennis shoes um, to give us traction on the ice. Or if, like later, they finally bought these like hokey kind of shoes that we would like Velcro on that we could put over our tennis shoes. They, to me, never did as good as like actually screwing the stuff into our tennis shoes. But for some reason, I still had those on when we got into the back of the truck. And if you remember to get onto the ice, sometimes they would have to gun that truck just a little bit. So by the time I had on slippery, kind of wet tennis shoes that had screws in the bottom of them, I had zero traction in the back of this truck. And my family was sitting close to the band stage. And when he gunned the truck to get over the hump onto the ice, my feet just came right out from underneath me. And I hit on that like the air tanks remember we wear those air tanks on our back I hit on my back and yelled a cuss word really loud to the point to where my whole family heard it and they gave me so much heck for that <laughs> but I couldn't help it like it hurt and so that was kind of like a a blooper for me um so between the t-shirt in the ceiling busting out the shot clock and then cussing in front of my I mean my whole family wiping out in front of a stadium well I mean we were used to wiping out I mean that wasn't that big of a deal but that hurt well I mean you say you were cussing in front of your whole family not to mention the other thousand people <laughs> between you and them little kids grandmas you yeah, know all that just kind of the family that really matters not the three-year-old that <laughs> is trying to figure out her first word it, or well I mean I didn't say yeah. the worst cuss word that I could have said but I mean a quick that came out really fast so all these stories you're telling people have uh they they know why the puck patrol is no longer a thing we're pretty much explaining it right you're now. exactly right you're exactly right pepsi and nabisco you know remember we used to um and especially in the early years they would uh, give us all those snacks to hand out and people would like get so upset that we gave them a thing of oreos rather than a t-shirt yeah yeah. Like or there would be fights over um why did he get oreos and i got nutter butter <laughs> i want oreos like look dude it's it's free it's free a cookie i mean take your cookie and go on we had or, so you know, much fun that was spend like twenty dollars at the concession stand right yeah it was fun i mean it was you know we were young skinny kids having fun doing cool stuff so. right right and uh now at least some of that's still true true Maybe. true story yeah. Maybe. Depends on the day. Well, no. Yeah. The good news is, you know, there are no cameras on this podcast. So <laughs> could be true, could not be true. And Nobody's you know what? ever going to know. Good news is, well, it, it's kind of good and kind of bad. Good news is they don't really have videos of those days. But, you know, sometimes, like, I don't have a lot of photos. I'm sure, like, my mom and dad probably took pictures and I just haven't found them. 
But, you know, like, I don't have a lot of pictures from that time frame. And, like, Brooklyn the other day, she was going through some box I had. And she, like, actually found my old Puck Patrol uniforms. Um, so, like, I do wish we had more photos and more documentation um, from those times. But I'm really glad that we don't have some of the videos. Yeah. But, I mean, too, it was a different time. So this was, you know, 2000, right around there, some, you know, 2000 to 2003, something like that. Was cell phones were a thing, but they were not common. And definitely, you know, if somebody had a cell phone, it was a phone. It didn't have a camera in it, all this kind of stuff. So it was a you wanted to take camera. pictures. Yeah, if you want to take pictures, you had to have a real camera and I mean, you know, people just didn't carry those around every day um, in everyday life back then. So uh, different, different time in history. It was a lot of fun, though. It was. Yeah, it was a blast. So military, we're going to go back to the military. So after the Predators, um, you were in the military and you've been deployed a couple times. I know one of the times that you got deployed, um, you actually got deployed in Indiana and that's really where I started to become friends with your wife, Christy, because on the weekends, the wives would travel to see um, everybody because we, I mean, we really thought that they were going to ship you over. So we were like the weekend warriors. We would come and visit. But I know you've been deployed multiple times. Where else have you been deployed? Uh, I, I've been to the Middle East um, a couple times, many different countries there, um, Afghanistan, Qatar, Kuwait, um, uh, done work in, in Syria, some other different places, um, been to Europe a lot and short time stuff. Uh, I think maybe uh, 20 to 22 different countries in my military career, all said and done. Um, the one that you talked about first in 2003, that was, you know, 9-11 had happened. Um, there was a big ramp up after that. So the, the Army was kind of calling up anybody and everybody. Uh, and that's what happened to, to me at that time. Uh, you know, they call everybody to uh, a mobilization site to get you ready to go because they didn't know how the war was going to progress at that time. So they kind of had everybody on standby. Um, and then as things kind of, the picture kind of came more clear of, of what the tactics were going to be and what the uh, situation actually was, they started saying, okay, we don't need these people. We don't need this job set right now. So I was there in Indiana about six months, just preparing, getting ready to go. And then they didn't need me. So they sent me home until later. Um, but yeah, a couple long-term deployments, uh, a bunch of little short things. Uh, um, but, you know, it's not different than thousands of other people, too. Uh, you know, just uh, for a long, you know, over 10 years, it was just a lot of lot of deploy, pl deployments for a lot of people um, across all the military, really. Uh, and now it's, it's kind of different. You know, there's almost no one being deployed, um, especially not on a large scale, just small groups. Uh, you know, it's kind of the ebb and flow of just world events. Right, right. So that, that was like, um, I always talk in terms sometimes of pre-Brooklyn, post-Brooklyn. So that was like pre-kids for you. And so now you've got two kids, mm -hmm. 18 and 13. 
Which one's harder, the boy or the girl? Oh, man, they're so totally different personality-wise. Um, uh, you know, it's, for me, it's the same. So my kids were born when I was deployed, which that's tough. They were younger. Um, my son, my first real deployment long-term, he was uh, like two years old, three years old. So, you know, he doesn't didn't really remember much of that. Um, the second one I had after that, he was seven um six maybe six but i don't know i lose track of time now but um but their personalities are so different my daughter is hard-headed like i am and so you know we we've had our share of butting heads but i mean you see i see my personality in her so that's that's good uh you know you, you like that until they break out you know, do something or say something that's part of the bad part personality that you don't necessarily <laughs> want to pass along. And you're like, Ooh. Or you that's blame like it on the meeting. other half of the DNA that they have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. It's like, ah, yeah, that's me. But, uh, uh, she was growing up. My daughter got disciplined way more than my son. And part of that is their personality, but part of it too was, she would look after him and she would kind of discipline him, um, be like, Hey man, you can't do that. You're going to get in trouble. Okay. And he, you know, he's such an easy going, he loves everybody, just a, a friend to everybody. And if someone, you know, when she would tell him that he would listen and be like, all right, well, I won't do that. So we as parents had to get onto him way less than she did. But, uh, then we did her as she was growing up. But, um, what do you think yeah, the best part of parenthood has been? I mean, being a parent is just cool. Uh, you know, it's trying to do stuff for your kids that you weren't able to do, uh, you know, whether it's financially or just, uh, you know, whatever kind of situation where you want better for your kids, but seeing them experience things, laughing and playing and uh, two, it's still, even though you're the parent, you're still growing. I mean, you're learning stuff from your kids that, uh, you know, kind of like, man, who's the parent here? Who, who's the kid? So I, I know my son, he was four years old playing T-ball, his first year ever playing T-ball. After the game, and, you know, they're just out there having fun at that age. And it, it's all about the popsicles and whatnot. You know, what snacks are am I going to get after the Can game? Can I have a snow so cone when this is over with? Yeah. <laughs> so they had a great coach. I didn't coach them that year. Um, they had a great coach and after one game, she had popsicles. So, you know, game's over, we're waiting. And she said, okay, everybody come get your popsicle. Four-year-old kid, my son Carter walks over there and says, thank you, which was, you know, that I, I felt like I won right there because Aww. he said thank you when he got his popsicle. Aww. But then he said, can I please have one for my sister too? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I would not do that. Like I'm <laughs> selfish enough, I got mine, see you later. Or can I and have two? This, yeah, yeah. Can I have two for me? I want right. to, but I mean, he he was truly genuine and he he was going to share something good with his sister. So, I mean, even though you're the parent, sometimes they humble you through stuff like that. And uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's all good. Just being that, you know, the bad experiences are good too if you learn from them. Um, and, you know, it's, 
not every day is like the Cosby show or, you know, a, a cool sitcom that we used to watch back in the day. Um, some days are hard and you just got to love each other, forgive each other and, and know that you're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. Um, but, but you can all learn from it. And at the end of the day, you're still family. So you can't kick them out. You know, you got to live with them. <laughs> Actually, you can kick them out. <laughs> I, I think child almost, services frowns on that. We've almost had a few of those situations. All, yeah, I've gotten close to kicking Brooklyn out because she, this past couple months, didn't like I coming home. I don't know. Well, no, I, you know, I on time. lose track of time. And um, anyways, Daniel, what is the most <laughs> surprising part of uh, parenthood? Oh, man, these are some hard hitting questions, man. Uh, the hardest part of child, I mean, the hardest part is you have to, I mean, you're learning how to be a parent, uh, you know, especially with your first kid and, and you, you, you're going to make mistakes, but, uh, you know, you, you got to learn quick. Um, the hardest part, I have to, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to think about that one a second. We'll come back to that. Okay. One. We can come back to that. Wait, did I ask the most surprising or the hardest part? I don't remember which one. The I most asked. surprising is what you just asked him. Okay. And Daniel, what is the hardest part of parenthood? The hardest part is, I mean, you make mistakes, um, you know, as a parent, and I mean, that hurts you, uh, you know, when you make a mistake or, or even discipline. Now, sometimes discipline is like, you, you, that doesn't hurt you as parents. You're like, no, you deserve this. Go, you know, you, you're about to take what you, you're getting. But, but sometimes, you know, if it's just a learning moment um, for the kid and they make a mistake, you have to correct them. But man, it still hurts you. Um, you know, especially if you spank your kid or what, you know, you're taking something away from them that they, you know, uh, and they're crying and it's legit tears. You're like, oh man, that's, that's rough. Like, all right, you know, you can't have this. I'm going to go in the other room, find your mom for a minute, you know, because uh, I, it, it's it's rough. But, I mean, that's where you, as a parent, you have to stick with that discipline and, and just, if you let them run wild, well, they're going to run wild and it, it doesn't get easier as they age um, and grow up. So, And I think one of the hardest things, too, about being a parent is, like when they suffer heartache or a broken bone or just they have some kind of pain that you can't take away. In my case, so yeah. I mean, toenail. Yeah. But it's really hard when your kids, you see your kids hurt and you can't fix it. So I think that that can be difficult too. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're just like, you know. I would love to trade places. Let me deal with this and, and not you. But. Well, I don't know. I always want to trade places. I mean, she can keep her broken bones, but. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep my bad luck and my clumsy self. <laughs> but I feel for her. Just kidding, Brooklyn. I love you. She actually did running up the steps the other day. Up um, the steps. I fell up the steps. She hit and like popped her whole toenail back and it was bleeding. I don't do blood. I jumped down there and helped her, which is very unlike me because usually I'm just like yelling, y'all right? Let me know if you need me. Just because I can't, I, that is not my forte. I cannot do injuries like that. But I knew she was hurt. So um, that hurt really yeah. bad too. I don't ever cry like that. She should be wrapped in bubble wrap. Yeah. 
Um, so one of the surprising things is like when you first have a kid, there's throw up everywhere. They're, you know, <laughs> dirty diapers, they're poop and pee everywhere. And, and it's just, it's gross. I mean, people say, oh, it's fine. Or let me, it's gross. All right. So uh, that's a huge adjustment, but it is like one of the surprising things now that my kids are, are older when I have friends or, or family with young babies and, you know, carry them around, hold them, oh, they might throw up. Doesn't matter a bit. Like that's the fun stuff. So that's one of the surprising things of how all that stuff kind of changes, you know, all the slobber and spit up and stuff that you're, and moms are probably, are not probably, moms are better at it than dads typically, but you know, all that stuff is kind of gross and get it off of me. I got to change my shirt four times a day plus change the baby's clothes. Now all that stuff, dude, I'll let a baby spit up on me, whatever. <laughs> that's the good stuff. And that's the surprising part, how you change um, just your perspective and what's important and what's not. Well, and I always giggle when you see like new moms that are like terrified, you know, like they're, it's like, hold, hold her head. You know, I'm like, there's, it's almost like they're fragile. And then like, once you've had a kid and you realize like they're not as fragile, like, you just kind of like grab them and throw them around. Like I always get tickled about that. Cause like if a baby's crying and like the mom can't comfort it, you know, like somebody else, it's a mom's like, here, let me have her, you know, start like rocking or whatever. And you can just see like the horror in like a new mom's eyes. Like she's not being careful with them. Um, and I always think that's funny because I've been there and been, you know, that first time mom that was acted like my baby was made of glass where, you know, I had to be really careful with her. And then like, you know, six months into motherhood you realize oh yeah she's really not gonna break like she bounces off some stuff and, <laughs> and she'll still so be that's fine. what's wrong with me i never dropped you but are you sure i mean yeah <laughs> i never did now i can't vouch for your grandparents but but yeah there's some kind of head trauma that happened somewhere i was a very smart baby though Okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about your podcast, GPS to God. It's been in over 30 countries. How does that happen? Like how how do you how do you even think it's gotten to 30 countries? Just people looking for different podcasts and I mean, obviously it's a God thing. I mean, obviously the word needs to be in those 30 countries, but did you do anything special to try to market to 30 countries? No, I mean it really it's just a miracle of the internet and technology, it's so easy now. I mean, the world is connected everywhere um, with, you know, just technology makes things easy in that way. Um, you, you, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, you used to have to get your news from the newspaper or a, a TV news channel at certain times of the day. And now if something happens in Europe, for example, we know about it here in America just minutes later. Um, so it's, I mean, that's that's the easy answer. Um, but yeah, it, it's a God thing. We don't do any promotion. We haven't done any promotion, um, advertising, anything like that. We just put it out there. And of course, people that listen or watch podcasts, they search what they want to consume. So that's kind of easy. You know, you put your list under the categories and and people find it pretty easily um especially when you're new a new podcast but um 
yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's great. We have fun. Uh, myself, um, Ryan, and Stefano are two guys that host with me, and then we have a bunch of other people that rotate in, or or we'll have a guest, and we just tell stories. We let a lot of people just tell their stories, their own personal stories, and sometimes they are really good, positive stories of of something that has happened to them, whether they won the Super Bowl or something like that. And sometimes it's not so good stories where they had uh, struggles with addiction or they had a baby who did not survive birth, something like that, that was a personal tragedy. And we just, through their personal stories, let them tell how God has impacted their lives. Um, And a lot of these people are impacting the lives of many, many other people. through those stories and being able to help and connect with others as well. I listened to one of your episodes the other day and the guy actually was talking about addiction and you could tell that he doesn't talk about it a lot. Um, because just like raw emotion as he was telling his story, you could tell sometimes he'd not even told the story. I felt like he hadn't even really ever sat and gave his testimony. Um, And it was like compelling, like I couldn't stop listening to him and was like hanging on every word because um, like his life was completely transformed. So um, you're doing a lot of good work there. How did you come up with that idea? For for us, for our church specifically, um, we did not have a lot of digital presence or outreach, uh, especially before COVID. And a lot of churches did not. you know, COVID kind of changed the world in that way where uh, it forced churches uh, specifically to broadcast on Facebook or YouTube or record their services somehow because people couldn't meet together, Um, but there was still that need there. So when I transitioned out of the army and and became a full-time minister, um, that was just something that was on my heart and my mind to do, you know, broaden our digital presence um, because that's the way people consume things now, especially these young whippersnappers like Brooklyn, uh, you know, they're, they're on their phone. They live their lives through their phone or other <laughs> devices a lot of time. She's, um, on, her, she's it, on her phone right now, Daniel. As I'm on like, my phone yeah. right now. Yeah. Sorry. I'm doing yeah. some production stuff. Okay. Right okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my answers aren't, you know, good enough to keep her. She didn't attention, even know I your did. last name. She didn't even know. Your I last actually name. Yeah. did. I was just second guessing myself. Thank you very much. Um, because when I guessed, I was right. Okay. I okay. just didn't want to sound stupid and be wrong. Okay. So it's just Daniel. Well, you know, it's not like I carried her as a baby in her car seat. <laughs> I watched Shrek with her after she, Heather had back surgery one day. You know, like we go way back. But the problem is. The way back we go, she doesn't remember. She was too little. No, I was too little. No. Yeah. But where were we? Um, Yeah. So we just wanted to expand our digital presence and uh, our senior pastor is like, go ahead, man, do what you want to do. And uh, we started with a whole lot of hand-me-down equipment. I mean, we literally just raided some closets and like, all right, we think we can do it with this, this, and this. And we started and just upgraded over time. We didn't know if we were going to do five episodes and quit 10 episodes. Was this going to be an all the time thing? We, we didn't know. Um, so started small. We didn't want to spend money for something that was not going to last. And then when we figured it out that we were going to keep doing it, we upgraded more stuff and, you know, bought parts and pieces as we went along and 
as money came in. So, so two or three um, years, you said, how, how long? Yeah, we've been, so this June, we recorded our first episode, June of 2021. Um, but we did not release an episode every week. Uh, really, we just started that this year, this calendar year. Um, we made the commitment to do an episode every week. We did release weekly, but we would do, you know, 10, 12, 15 episodes and then take a break for a couple months, come back and do the same kind of routine. Um, so we were releasing maybe 30 to 35 episodes a year, but uh, not quite weekly. But we just made the commitment now that it's it's going to be every week. And we cheat sometimes because we make a lot of bloopers. We do. We have a lot of conversations and stuff that never makes the air that we kind of cut out just because it's silly or doesn't add, you know, it's totally offshoot of what the topic is for the day. So we kind of set that stuff to the side and release those every once in a while. So, um, you know, that's kind of, kind of a freebie week for us, but, um, yeah, we have fun. We tell, I mean, we've got to meet a lot of cool people. Um, you know, uh, James Jones was on, uh, not too long ago. He won a Super Bowl with the Packers. Um, did a lot of cool stuff in the NFL. He's is he had three rule changes. Is he in Nashville? Uh, he lives, no, he lives in Arizona now. Okay, but okay. Uh, um, the NFL actually changed three rules because of him. So oh, wow. he's got a lot of cool stories. Um, but for the first 12 years of his life, he was homeless. And it was him and his mom and his sister on the street bouncing around from shelters and sleeping outside and doing different things. So, I mean, he's got a powerful story and just meeting a lot of cool people like that. Um, and really we just want to be a platform for them. Um, you know, let them tell their story and because everybody has a story. I mean, Heather, Brooklyn, me, everybody has a story, but most of us just don't have an outlet to broadcast that and let other people hear our story even, you know, regular people are the most interesting people in the world. Um, and we just want to be an outlet that whatever you're going through, somebody else has gone through it and they've come out better on the other side and you can too. That's been one of the most rewarding things uh, when we've started this podcast. And, and I didn't anticipate it is how receptive people are to coming and telling their story and telling the things that, that they have interest in, the things that are their hobbies, um, and how rewarding that's been um, to watch people, even if for, you know, it's for 30 minutes to an hour, to kind of just feel special and to to feel worthy enough that somebody else wanted to hear their story and give them that outlet. And that, I didn't see that part um coming. You know what I mean? Like I thought, oh, it'll just be me in Brooklyn, you know, shooting the bull and, you know, we'll have some of our friends on and we'll talk about this, that, and the other. I didn't really realize that it was going to turn into an outlet like that. Um, and that's been to me the most rewarding part of doing this. So I can completely understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah. For us, for me and Ryan and Stefano, our, our role to get, we, you know, we started this together and we came up with the name like we we came up with everything um as a group it was no one person that did it we were i mean we kind of call ourselves the three musketeers because it's all for one uh, on all the decisions we make and all this kind of stuff but but yeah we're we're always surprised that you know how easy people tell their stories and 
a lot of times people will be nervous because we tell them, hey, you know, we we record hour long episodes about, you know, it might be 50 minutes or it might be an hour and eight minutes, whatever. But they're oftentimes kind of um, hesitant. They're like, man, an hour. I can't come talk for an hour. We're like, man, it is totally relaxed. It's just the four of us having a conversation, just like if we were chilling in the living room on the couch. That's kind of the the atmosphere we we want to create. And everybody is, you know, when we kind of wrap the episode up, they're like, oh, we're done. That's it. That's been an hour, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, people just it, it they all want to talk. They just don't know they want to talk. They want to tell their story, but they may not know it. But once you get into it and, and you can relate to them or, or, you know, you're not judging them based off whatever happened in their life, everybody opens up because it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a therapy. It, we're, we're not made to be individual people. We're made to be together. Well, and it's funny that some of the people that, that we've had on so far um, you can tell like at the beginning of the podcast, like when I was editing, you can almost, I mean, and this has been everybody, this is not any one person in spe- like specifically, you can t- like almost like a shy kind of like shake in their voice, like when they say hello. And then by the end of it, like their confidence has completely changed. Like they are just talking about everything and anything really opening up. They really open up. And th- as soon as we've like turned like everything off and been like, okay, we're, we're good. Let's go again. That yeah. Was so it's much like, fun. when can Let's we come back? What can we come back and talk about? And that's been kind of fun too, is to see people have so much fun. They want to do it again. Mm-hmm. So um yeah i mean I, i'm ready to go ahead and book my second time slot we got already, you we got you, you we got you the the next one though we might have to do a video of the t-shirt we have to or we somehow are going to have to get that and put that on social media so people can see that i don't know how we're going to sneak into bridgestone i wonder if i looked it up online if like there's a picture of the t-shirt i doubt it oh no yeah nobody we're not knows. that famous Un- okay. until now that story has not been told publicly <laughs> until this very episode right but here. you and i tell it every time we ever talk to each other we tell that story oh, yeah. all the time that's one of my favorite stories like ever that mom has from the predators yeah that was a good one we had a lot of fun when i say those were you, i wish that we like i wish that i had an opportunity to like be like a patrol girl like you did those were the best years Uh, despite having a child of course that having brooklyn has been the highlight of my life but i would say those years that i worked for the predators to me they were better than college like i had more fun and the friendships that we made i don't think daniel you were old enough to get into the clubs but you know we usually would leave the predators game and go to the clubs i mean we even had Oh, poor Daniel. I just ta- I just talked to Leslie last night. So I still talk to Leslie. Brooklyn will go and teach dance for J Bell a lot um at her studio out um Bell in Mead. in Bellmead and um like even Nicole. Do you remember Nicole? Yeah. You know yeah. you know the story of her her car getting stolen. Do you remember that story? Long story short, I have a few Nicole. Nicole was at your house life. for a while, right? Yes, yes. Nicole yeah. was at my house for a while because <laughs> I came over to watch like The Bachelor or some stupid show um, at your house, and while she was staying there, she was there. Celeste was there. Remember Celeste? 
Yeah. Celeste yeah. was there. Yeah. I mean, they, I had, they, I think I was the only person that owned a house at the time, Daniel. So everybody, I mean, even the pyro yeah, guys would apartment. be at my house. I had, yeah. I had an apartment, um, maybe the first year and then I moved back home after that. So. Yeah. You were like, this yeah. adulting thing is for the birds. I'm going back to mom's. You were the, well, you were the I mean, smart I still one. had a full-time job. Well, I had two jobs actually. Well, three, if you count the puck patrol, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was working. So, oh, the Nicole story, Nicole, one night, um, we had moved her car to second Avenue, um, in a parking garage that was really close to second Avenue. And I thought she was staying downtown and in the middle of the night, she decided she was not staying downtown and she was going to go home. So she walked all the way back to. The parking lot. Remember, we could park in that lot that was right beside the side door. And um, yeah. her car was not there. So she walked to the Greyhound station and found a cop and actually filed a report that the car had been stolen. So she calls me the next day at work and she was like, you're never going to believe this, but my car was stolen last night. And of course, as any friend would do, they're like, what? Oh, my God. Like that. How did that happen? You know, she tells me the whole story and then I hung up from her. And I thought for a second, like, as she told me the story, so I called back and I said, Nicole, you do know that we parked your car on 2nd Avenue. Like, your car is not on 6th. And she was like, what? <laughs> so I had to go pick her up and take her back downtown to find her car. And then she had to call the police department back and tell them that she had misplaced where her car was parked. <laughs> So that too, Daniel, is one of my favorite stories. So, but yeah, well, I've kept in touch with I, Nicole. I, I love her. I, I love her. She's hilarious. But yes, she got herself in some some good good stories, just like we did. I didn't lose the car. Listen, I, I do want to. I want to correct your mom here a little bit. I was old enough to get into the clubs. <laughs> they did not invite me very often. You probably were uh, like, I have two jobs. I have to go to work in the morning, which we all yeah, had to go that, to work now, in the so morning. That, that is true. That is true. I was, you know, the probably the, I was the straight-laced kid Let's out of the Let's just be honest, Daniel. You had to keep all of us in line most of the time. And if we had asked yeah, you, you yeah. would not have wanted to put up with our shenanigans. Uh, I, I did on very rare occasions. <laughs> but uh, When we forced yeah, you. Most of, most of the time, I I was I was worried about uh, you know You're getting in trouble late. at work or something like that, and uh, yeah. So, meanwhile, mom was just off the handlebars. Just well, it was wild club rap. I didn't get arrested. That's all that matters. So, I want to talk about our friendship. We've been friends for over twenty years. Um, mm -hmm. Some special things come to mind. Um, one, you did the eulogy at my mom's funeral. And that really meant a lot because it's so important. Mom and dad went to church, but they didn't go to church all the time. So to have somebody come in, Brooklyn and I spoke, but to have somebody like get in front of everybody and really speak from the gospel um, and have that personal relationship meant something to my family. So I want to tell you, thank you for that. Um, next, this podcast would not exist without your guidance, like Literally, I asked you, I need to do a podcast and you helped with setup. You helped 
give me information on what kind of equipment I should buy. You've given me guidance on, um, you know, frequency, length of, you know, how these podcasts should go, things that we need to say in our podcast, music, even um, like things that I would never even think about. So I wanted to tell you, thank you for that. But probably most important is there was a time in my life where you had information that you knew I was in a situation that I was very unhappy and very unsafe situation. And you knew that because you were such a good friend to me. And you actually came to me with information that you knew I needed to know. And I'm sure that that was a hard decision for you to make because not only were you friends with me, but you were also friends with this other person at the time. How did you make a decision of what you should do in that situation? How did you say, I need to go tell Heather? Because that could have ended in different ways. A, I could have been like, but out of my business, because it's not your business. This is my business. And it could have cost us our friendship. But it could also backfired in the other way If the other person could have said, dude, I'm, you know, I'm done with you. Like, how did you make that decision? It takes a it takes a big person to go to somebody and share something like that. Well, let me say um, thank you for all of that. Uh, I don't know how deserved that is, but your mom was great. Um, known your your parents for a long time as well. I met them just after I met you, and they were all, always very good to me. And uh, um, so so thank you uh, just for letting me be part of your family. But uh, you know the podcast thing, you would have figured it out. I am by no means an expert, and uh, uh, you know just. Learned a lot by mistakes doing our podcast, so I was just trying to save you some of those same headaches. I would have never figured out the editing. I would have never figured out the editing program ever. So, well, you know, that's you. You would have done it. Just maybe would have taken a little more YouTube (laughs) research or something. But, but uh, you know, that's that's a good thing about YouTube. You can learn anything you want in you know ten seconds with the YouTube video. But, but uh, yeah, so it's, I always want to do the right thing. That's just my nature, my personality. And I don't always do the right thing. Let's get that. I make just as many mistakes as anybody else. And I screw stuff up a lot, but, um, ever since I was a little kid, I just don't want to disappoint people. Um, so, you know, when I would get in trouble as a little kid, I just, um, I didn't like it. So, I try to do the right thing and it's much easier for me personally to do the right thing for somebody else than it is to do that for myself. Um, as weird as that is, but, uh, so I just, you know, want to take care of people, want to help. Um, I want to help people. I want to help anybody, but especially friends, um, friends, family, you know, it's, uh, that's just kind of who I am. And, uh, doing the hard right thing for me it just uh, is easier than ignoring something or you know letting somebody hurt when I could make a difference or when I think I could make a difference and like you said sometimes they may not want that help and that's fine but if I offer help in some way and they say hey you know mind your business or whatever then then that's fine I did what I could what I could in that moment but uh, I mean, that's really just it. You know, I wanted to help um, two friends that, however I could. And 
Um, and sometimes, you know, friends or family, uh, if you're doing something wrong, I or if I'm doing something wrong, I hope I have a good enough relationship with friends and family that they would call me out on it. Uh, and, and depending on the situation, that could happen in different ways. Uh, but I hope I have that kind of trust and love built in those relationships. And so I want to do the same thing. If if one of my friends is doing something they should not be doing, I, I want to talk to them about it. And they may be in a place to hear it and change something. They may not. But I don't want something to happen to them because of my lack of action. Well, your action, I was on the fence, you know, I'm trying to talk in code here. People that know my story know eventually we'll go into that in another episode, but your action and you coming to me and talking to me helped me make the, the dis, probably the best decision I could have made in my life to get out of a bad situation. And it was one of those things I knew in my gut anyway. I just needed somebody else to tell me and confirm. And thank you for being that person because I don't know that a lot of people would be that person. Um, and so I appreciate your friendship. I mean, you've been like a brother to me. Um, we've been through We've grown a lot. Like we actually had to grow up. I kind of feel like, I mean, we were kids when we first met practically. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, Brooklyn does not consider herself a kid. Um, but yeah, you were Brooklyn's I, age. I, yeah, I, I when I was her age, I did not consider myself a kid. No. I knew everything. I was on top of the world. I knew it all. No, you know, I was Superman. But but now, at my age now, I can look back and say, yes, I was a kid. And I was exactly her <laughs> age um, when, when we first met. So. That's cr- that is crazy to think about. I don't know how I got this old, but I mean, well, whatever. I don't know how you got this old either because I'm not <laughs> yet. I'm well, working on it. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on our show today. We've enjoyed having you. Yes. It's been fun to laugh about the old times and, of course, the the most recent times. Um, and hopefully we'll have you on again. We'll have to think of something to bring you on and you can talk about. I'd love to just keep talking about your, your podcast. Where can people go and listen to your podcast? Well, thank you for, you know, giving us a little pub. Uh, we are everywhere. All the podcast apps, you can check it out. GPS to God. We are also on YouTube. We are, um, video based as well. So you can watch us and all of our antics and, uh, if you choose to do that, and uh, I will say, like 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 many podcasts, many uh, you know different shows and ventures, we've grown a lot since we've been on the air. So, watch one of our current episodes, watch or listen, and then you know go back and listen to the. Our production value is is much better now than it used to be. Um, we didn't did not have the ability to get some fancy equipment like Heather and Brooklyn when we first started out, but. Uh, uh, all those early episodes are great for us. Um, cool stories, but production value is not quite as high, but we try and put out a good quality podcast um, with our little little bitty selves that we are. But YouTube, GPS to God, all the podcast apps. We're on Instagram, but I don't update that much. That's a fault of mine, but uh, check us out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brooklyn, you want to close us out? Yep. 
All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. We're super excited to have Daniel Sanders on this podcast to give him a nice little interview. Thank goodness after an hour, you finally learned his last name. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> you can find um, us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore girls are players too. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Never sleep in traffic. Just living steady, panic. I know cause I try